They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Hey, this is Jamie with JEB Commerce and the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I have a great guest today, very special. We are besties, uh, Aaron Killian of Pepper Jam. Uh, So before I introduce this episode and Aaron, uh, let me just talk about a service we have at JEB. It is our strategy roadmap. Uh, So we have many clients where we manage their affiliate programs for them day in, day out. Uh, But some come to us and they just want to make sure that they have the right strategy for the right time. Uh, whether it's growth, cost reduction, uh, incrementality, they want to make sure that they have the right strategy. They're working with the right partners on the right network and the total right setup. So uh, we have a service that can provide that uh, for you, just like it has for many others uh, in the past. And you can go to jebco.de slash strategy to get more information. We'll include that in the strategy notes. We look at the network. We look at your return order uh, process. We do a gap analysis on your affiliates. We look at your content strategy, your compliance to regulatory issues. All of those things we look at and provide one document that outlines the strategy you should be taking going forward. So if you'd like more information, you can email me at gethelp at jebcommerce.com or you can go to jebco.de slash strategies. That's jebco.de slash strategy. And I'll include that in the show notes. So on to our guest today, Aaron Killian. Now, Aaron and I go way back. Uh, I uh, forgot how long we go back, um, but we go way back to uh, to 2007 and her start at Pepper Jam. And she's been at Pepper Jam actually before it was even a network or a platform. So really interesting take on this industry and how things have evolved. I will let you listen to some of her lessons that she has shared with us of going through a lot of change in her uh, in her career. So uh, we talk about all sorts of stuff and we dive deep into a bunch of different affiliate marketing things, things like uh, incrementality, coupon and loyalty sites, content partners, things that are working for uh, advertisers right now and what they should be focusing on Q3 going forward. So definitely take a listen to this and I'll uh, explain some more things in the outro as well. But let's just dive in right now with my good friend, Aaron Killer. All right, Aaron, thank you for joining me as I am every single time we get to talk. I'm excited to chat with you and actually put this down uh, on recording. So welcome to the Profitable Performance Podcast. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for having me. Um, I always enjoy our conversations. They're always the highlight of my day. So this is super exciting Aww. for me to be a part of this. So I'm, I'm oh, you excited. It. <laughs> well, good. Well, and it's it is, it's. You know, I have your whole day to compare against as the exciting part of your day is it's what, like 530 where you're at right now? It is. It is. But it's been a really good day. So this is a fantastic kind of bow or a cherry on top of that Sunday uh, to to be able to connect. Um, And you're just in the middle of your day, Jamie. So, you know, look at me as like that ending 
to like a, a oh good i <laughs> can i also end my day after this that would be fantastic <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, I can't make any guarantees about that, unfortunately. Um, mm. but you can try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, actually, this is the last thing I have to do today. So <laughs> I will be out of here after I record the intro and outro and we'll be done. How are you in general? So much going on, uh, in, in your neck of the woods. How, how are things? So things are going really well. Obviously, as a business, um, Pepper Jam's been, you know, combating the same things I think so many of us are with COVID. You know, how do we support those challenges, those changes um, as we've moved staff to, you know, working from home and helping to support your businesses and combating this way of new normal. Um, And then in the middle of all of this, unique uncertainty that we're facing as marketers. Um, Pepper Jam was was super excited to be acquired by Partnerize right at the end of July. Yeah. So um, I am so excited about what this opportunity means for the larger Partnerize group. Um, You know, we're still not quite 30 days into it. We're getting close. We're about two days away from where that 30 day mark was, you know, so it's definitely still you know, business as usual from that kind of angle. But Partnerize has such a great global footprint um, and such a unique technology stack that for me, I'm a tech nerd and I really love how our tech solves for problems and, you know, how to build it into a strategy. So as I get to learn more about that tech side of the world, I am so excited because it's just, it's so much more for us to be able to do and work with clients with. So for me, it's like, ooh, it's a new toy. Um, it's this great new opportunity. So I am super like excited about what that's going to mean. Awesome. Yeah, lots of lots of acquisitions taking place, lots of news uh, in the industry for sure. And uh, now I was trying today to remember how and when we met. And I think this goes to how great of an individual you are, but you are ubiquitous through all my memories of uh, affiliate marketing till back uh, in, you know, back when I started in, in 99. So I don't remember where we met or how, I think it was maybe a Charlotte Russe affiliate program way back in the day, but I, I don't know. I, I, do you have any idea? <laughs> so I actually do. And it was Charlotte Russe. Um, I was actually just coming back into the affiliate fold within our business at that time. And I was starting to work with all of these agency partners and it was Charlotte Russe and JEB. That was, I think, my first agency interaction um, with, I, I think we were updating technology. And it was my first, you know, opportunity to work with you and your team. And I'm pretty sure since then we've been like best buds. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I can't even yeah, and I can't even tell you what year it was. At this point, everything kind of melds together. It could have been a year ago, a decade ago. It could have been Monday. Um. <laughs> you know, we have this since the quarantine. People ask, "Well, what day is it?" And we're like, "Look, it's day. We don't know. It's just all kind of blurring together." It it does. You know, it's it's weird because time no longer has any type of. I don't want to say value, but it is a very different perception than it would have been in February. 
of this year. Yeah. It's completely different. And I, I, you guys must be working remotely now too. We are, um, I, I, to give everybody, um, some insight. I am hiding from my dogs who have very (laughs) pig mouths, um, in a bedroom in my home right now. Um, because it was the only safe place for me. Um, so (laughs) secretly hoping your dogs make a, uh, uh, their presence known uh, and an appearance during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they might. I'll apologize now in advance. Um, they're well, not subtle. <laughs> I'm in my office. We we made a decision to go fully remote uh, through 2021. Uh, so, you know, like a lot of companies are are doing that. I saw REI yep. making some big changes this year. We decided to go fully remote. So I'm from my office that now has nothing on the walls. Uh, and we are moving out, uh, this week and going fully remote, you know, for uh, protection and safety of our staff. And, and, uh, and we've been that way since April of this year anyway. So we're just going to make it, you know, for the whole year. So while I have no yapping dogs, there may be an echo because I just took everything off the walls today. (laughs) (laughs) So PartnerEyes did make the decision um, as an organization that we are also going to stay remote um, probably through the end of the year, you know, uh, just trying to make sure that we put the health and safety of our employees, you know, at the forefront, um, help to support, you know, them in a constructive manner. And, but I have to say the move for us to go from being in an office to being offline, I think has actually created some really unique connections that we haven't had a chance to build before. I think that this, you know, COVID has created an opportunity where you have to get on a video call. You're actually wanting that human interaction. And I feel as though it's made so many of our relationships so much stronger. Even though we're talking to the same people in the same cadence, the fact that our situations have changed and you're capturing people in a more intimate type of setting, I think has created a very different atmosphere, especially for what we do. Um, And I think it's been really beneficial for all of us. I, I can't lie. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up. I was kind of noticing, you know, for years, once we got this technology, you know, Zoom became ubiquitous. But even before mm-hmm. that, I used stuff like Uvu and Skype and always wanted to do that with our clients uh, on regular calls. And and while in an agency, our lives revolve around relationships and those kind of things, it's very natural for us to want to use whatever we can to build that. The clients aren't always, you know, the people in the inside the advertiser aren't always the same. And so it was always difficult. But what I found is, is uh, like the first month, everyone was using virtual backgrounds and trying to hide that they were working from home or cover up uh, something that's very much them, whatever that happens to be behind them. And then I think something happened in June and July <laughs> where things just got authentic. Um, I had an interview uh, with, uh, or I, I had a call with uh, someone and they you know, made the call from their bedroom. It was totally messy. Their kids came in to talk uh, to me while we were talking. Uh, and it was the first, I think the first time that happens to someone, it's shocking. Like, oh my gosh, my kid is in here. Get out of here. I'm trying to do business. We've all had that so often that there is a sense of, and our industry is based on relationships, right? And so 
there's been an authenticity to these relationships that I think you're right. We haven't had before, uh, before this. No, it's really changed it. I can tell you that when I worked from home before this, if one of the dogs or God forbid the cat made an appearance on a call or you could hear them, I was just so utterly mortified. Like, oh my gosh, you know, what a horrible representation. And when we made the transition home, there was just no way to avoid that. Um, yeah for all of us, you know, so instead I've tried to welcome them into it as much as I can, you know, <laughs> yeah. so that it, I think it's actually helped to strengthen those connections because when someone sees that, I think that they have a tendency to let their guards down. There's that interpersonal connection that we didn't always get before when you're on a conference call, it's, it's still very much so all business when it's, when you actually see that person now, it's the same conversation, but I think the meaningfulness of it has increased, which is, I yeah. think, been a really great side effect of this, given the challenge that COVID has brought. <laughs> yeah, and definitely some challenges. One thing, uh, one of my first few guests, Steve Denton, uh, shared with me one thing he's doing with his team that I thought really added to uh, the strength, you know, strengthening relationships was during their weekly uh, team meetings, they would do a show and tell. And so someone or maybe several someone's got to show something about them in their home. And it's not something, you, you know, you may not talk about or you don't get that opportunity. But uh, when I heard the idea, we started doing it here and we've learned a whole lot about each other. It's been a really great experience, something that we're going to continue doing. First off, I know Steve, obviously I have some history considering yeah. he was the head of Pepper Jam for a while. So I can't speak <laughs> highly enough of him either. Um, he's fantastic. And I'm going to steal that idea um, because I think that I did. <laughs> I think that's fabulous because, you know, I think the other thing for us is I've always done weekly meetings. This one, I was like, well, let's make sure everybody feels connected. Let's do this daily. Let's do just a quick touch base. Yeah. Make sure everybody's okay. Are your families okay? Are you guys okay doing this? And we'll do a quick gut check so we can help to support each other. Um, and so I think just in that com in those daily conversations, I think we've had accidental show and tell. Uh, but I totally yeah. that because I like that. Fantastic. <laughs> Accidental show and tell. Yeah, it it we did the same thing during the first couple weeks and and maybe the first month, the first six weeks. We did dailies uh, as things were changing so rapidly, and and that's one of the things we'll touch on today. You know, this the speed of of change right now um, that we did that, and now we've moved to twice a week. Everyone, uh, we feel pretty comfortable where we're at. Everyone's comfortable at home. Um, everyone came and picked up their chairs and things like that to, to be able to work from home and and all of that. So, you know, we've done kind of the same. Now, before we dive into the many affiliate marketing topics we have listed, and I am really excited to, to deep dive into some of these, um, I didn't realize that uh, you, you know, I, f I guess I could have imagined that we had connections before the we got into affiliate marketing, but a whole slew of my family went to Penn State University and you graduated there from in 99. Did you go to main campus? Were you at one of the other campuses? Oh, I was at main campus. Um, I went because quite frankly, I Jamie, I wanted to watch football games on Saturdays. It was, you know, <laughs> yeah. quickly making sure I got my student tickets. It was probably one of the best experiences ever. I still am a season ticket holder. 
I still spend a ton of time down there. My parents I'm went so there. jealous. My sisters went there. <laughs> like it's a very family um, oriented item for us. But I have to say it's really disappointing that I don't get football this year. So I don't get that same connection to be able to go home. So now it's how do I figure out a way to still go down and help to support like that community, um, yeah. even though football's not there. So for me, it's it Penn State is very much so ingrained in who I am. Um, so awesome. in the next time I go, I'll get you some ice cream and we'll have it packed in dry ice and we'll send it out uh, to Idaho. For that us. would be awesome. I So my dad went there, <laughs> my sister went there. Uh, and I worked in the summers just outside of town at a tree farm. And, and so while my sister was there going to summer classes and finishing up in the spring and then starting again in the fall, uh, I would stay, uh, with her on campus. Uh, I, I wasn't supposed to, but don't, don't tell them. Uh, but I'd stay in her dorm with her and hang out with all her friends. And then I'd go work at this tree farm. So I saw that and was like, oh, we have uh, deep connections. But for the, the listeners who uh, uh, are not best friends like we are, tell us, like, what after Penn State, what did you do? How did you get into affiliate marketing? And, and tell me about the path from, you know, your beginning to now vice president of agency and prime. So it's a storied path, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I was one of those people that came to a career a little bit later than a lot of people do. And so when I graduated, I didn't know what I wanted to do, Jamie. I went back to I feel start, you. like I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go grad school. Seemed like a really good idea. And but I during the process, I wasn't learning enough. In the major I picked, it was a communication uh, master's. I didn't feel as though I were capitalizing on it and ended up working in retail sales, um, both for a large chain that no longer exists, um, and then ultimately helping a friend manage a small boutique, which is where I, I think I got, strangely enough, a love for sales, which I didn't even know I had. Um, <laughs> you say that with such surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't realize it. And I was, you know, managing and working through, you know, with this really small company in, I, to give the listeners some insight in Northeastern Pennsylvania, like outside of Scranton, you know, a core group where it was about buying for us, you know, what would we want to share with our consumers mm -hmm. and got to learn a lot about that business. And, wanted a change. And at the time, a friend of my sister's was working at Pepper Jam and she raved and she was heading up an online media buying division within the company. And I was intrigued. Um, and I was like, I think I want to work there. Um, and actually came in, interviewed for not a position that was anywhere close to what I thought I was going to be interviewing for. And I'll be honest, didn't work out that first time. Um, and connected with her <laughs> a little bit later for something that was specifically in online media buying. And suddenly the store at Pepper Jam opened. And I hate to admit it, it opened well over a decade. I think I'm going on 13 years in November um, wow. of this year. And that was back before Pepper Jam was a platform. 
you know, back before we were, you know, partnerized. You're going back to uh, many moons ago. Um, you know, when and we what were was just... Pepper Jam 13 years ago? <laughs> 13 years ago in 2007, we had yet to launch the network that would launch in early 2008. We were a, um, we did outside program management. So we were an affiliate management group. We also had a search and SEO arm. And then we had a small online media crew that did small media buys. And then we did lead generation on some of the old CPA type of platforms. Um, so wow. putting up offers. So I started in that realm even before there was a network, which eventually became the platform and wow. found, and then weaved my way through Pepper Jam and have, I, you know, to be with a company for 13 years, you were constantly changing and change is the only constant. And it's probably the one thing that I love best about <laughs> this company because you have to, it's, you have to keep going. And so I wound my way through from media buying into the network, into account management. And, you know, for those of you who don't know, Pepper Jam has gone through a number of different iterations and changes when we were Pepper Jam Network and Pepper Jam Exchange, and eventually the eBay Enterprise Affiliate Network, and then back to Pepper Jam, um, you know, so I've been able to weave my way through that, staying an affiliate, leading teams, understanding our tech, even moving into cross-channel strategy, and then actually came back into the world of the platform and agency. And that's when I found you guys um, and have had a chance to, you know, really fortify, I think, the thing I love best about affiliate, which is the relationships. I've been able to build. And over the past, gosh, four years now, to work with the agencies, and then most recently to be able to work with our self-managed brands and our publishers, it's just a chance to keep building more relationships. You know, I look at everyone that I've been able to know from you guys, from JEB, whether it's clients, account managers, and how mm -hmm. it's continually evolving. Affiliate is the one place where people may move on, but everybody stays interconnected. There is still a lot of history between us all that I think we actually rely on and have used to kind of build and shape where affiliate started from, you know, back in the day wow. to where yeah. it is today. Cause it's, it's, it's night and day from where the channel started to where we are today. I didn't realize you were there pre-platform. The, the, the amount of change that you've experienced uh, is, is tremendous. And, and frankly, I don't know anyone who's been with a company that's gone through not only um, strategic direction, like such a significant difference from uh, what you're doing, you know, um, a service agency, essentially, to building a platform. Uh, you know, building a network, becoming a platform, and then now an acquisition and so many, you know, different acquisitions with eBay and rebranding and all of that. You know, as you are going through all that, what's a, what are some lessons you learned? So say some of our, uh, you know, there's a lot of change going in our industry right now. So what would you tell someone who's going through some of those changes now? What are the lessons you learned? What helped you 
change can be scary. Uh, you know, you never quite know what's going, things are going to look like. We don't always get to know that. Um, so what, what, uh, kept you focused and grounded and, and helped you be successful through so many changes at Pepper Jam? I think the core group of senior leaders at Pepper Jam for me and some of the amazing people that I've had a chance to work with really for me were the foundation of why it was so easy to navigate that. Because you're right, there is no certainty in change. It is all uncertainty. Um, There are no guarantees. So I think having that leadership to be able to rely on and know I had a sounding board gave me a footing to be able to really roll with those changes. I think that one of the most challenging things for me was being able to roll with the punches to realize that I cannot change the things I cannot control and I cannot worry about the things outside of my control. So to be able to step back and say, I'm going to continue to do what I do best. Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus and continue to deliver on that. I'm going to continue to keep asking and saying, what else can I do? How else can I help this business? And how do I keep helping my clients? I think was what really allowed me to be able to walk pretty seamlessly through a lot of it, considering there was so much change. And it was very exciting because with every change, there came new opportunities. So for me, when talking to people that are uncertain and are nervous about change that's impacting them, use that as a way to ground yourself, kind of look and say, what are you doing best? How are you doing it? How do you continue to support the people around you, namely your business and your clients, and then just over deliver on it and just say, whatever's going to happen will happen and it will happen for the best and just ask questions. You know, I think that's the other thing. I, even now with our acquisition, I'm asking questions that I know are a year away, (laughs) you know, and asking and questioning and going, well, what about this? And where are we? And I think, keeping an inquisitive nature while keeping focus that it's about doing what you do best and continuing to stay that course um, through that uncertainty, I think helps to, you know, ground you and allow you to move through. For me, I was also, also willing to say, what else do you have? I think taking on new challenges during uncertainty and attempting to learn more actually helps to navigate through it. As you learn more about what's happening around you, you start learning new and different skills. That was something else that I also kind of fell back on to help keep me centered is let me take on more. Let me keep, you know, kind of learning, growing, adding to it. And then suddenly you realize that you're six months, you're 12 months down the line and everything around you is built up differently um, and you continue to thrive. So I think that was also something really beneficial for me. That is fantastic. Where did you learn that? (laughs) Like some of these things are, they're great advice. I wrote down, focus on what I can do best. What else can I do? How else can I help this business? How can I support those around me? Ask questions, keep an inquisitive nature. And then a quote from you with every change comes opportunity. Is that just, I mean, did you, did your family grow up? Uh, like that and teaching that? Did you just kind of, is this just a part ingrained part of who you are? I think part of it's ingrained in who I am and my family. 
um, that it was take the opportunity that's afforded to you and really make the best out of it, um, you know, and try to do your best. You know, I, I was raised with that idea that, you know, go above and beyond. Be that person you want to be and exemplify that person. And then quite honestly, I've had some people that during some of these changes, they just had great advice that helped to mm. kind of solidify it. There was a transparency to help make it easier and that support. But I think it's just a combination of, well, I am good at this in work, Jamie. Some of this doesn't carry over into personal. So I've been <laughs> able to categorize and say, I hear you there. Career wise, I can do this. Ask my fiance. Can't always do it at home, but I can do it at work. And I think it's also the idea that you you fixate on the things you know you can do and you do them well and stay focused on that. And at the end, you know, you get somewhere and you're like, wow, I'm here. It's done. Everything is around me and everything is new, you know? And I think that's important because I look at COVID and where we were from the start mm -hmm. to where I am today. It's as if it were yesterday and focusing on that, I think is just made me even better in dealing with conflict, other changes. Um, you know, so it's just trying to take the adversity, go, gosh, I can't worry about this because I can't change it. So what can I change? <laughs> what can I control? And let me focus on that. Because otherwise, it's a very challenging and very worrisome place to be. Um, and you can't yeah. solve for it. And it ends up taking away, not just from what you're doing in your job, but it also takes away from you as a person. Um, and that's just something for me that I try to stay focused on. So so I can be better. You know, and, and it's it's such good career advice through change, but it's also good advice for I think all of us right now as we everyone's trying to navigate and what we ask, what is it gonna look like? And I'll ask you that question later. You know, what are things <laughs> gonna look like in the future? We don't know. So focus on what I do best. What else can I do? How else can I help this business? How can I support those around me? And then keep asking questions. It's just such such great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so let's dive into some affiliate stuff. So one of the things, you know, so much changes so often in our industry, right? But the last six months, even so, even more. So from your vantage point, what are some of the mac macro changes that you've uh, seen take place in the industry in the last six months or so? I think the biggest change has been a real shift to the idea of e-commerce as the center for a business. I know that that sounds silly in what we do. We come out of affiliate marketing. We are driven by e-commerce. But so many brands, um, while e-commerce was a focus, it wasn't always the center of their marketing activities and budget mm -hmm. dollars. They were still driven by retail. And I think the biggest change for me has been watching how e-commerce, especially affiliate marketing, has really stood out from some of the other channels, because unlike so many other areas, paid search, email, SEO, um, paid social, affiliate is truly this performance-based model that allows you to create these unique partnerships of anyone and help to, in essence, create this unique virtual sales force to be able to educate, incentivize, 
and help ultimately convert consumers into new consumers. And I think seeing that pivot to how important e-commerce is um, and the fact that it is really about utilizing your data to really understand that overarching marketing impact on e-commerce has been really at least exciting for me. Uh, you know, coming out of affiliate, it hasn't always been the channel that stood out from the rest. It was mm -hmm. something that you did it because you needed to. And I think a lot of marketers misunderstood that. But now it's really come full center and it's become a focus for so many brands that for me, that's probably been the biggest change. And it's been really exciting to watch, even though those first few months were very challenging for so many brands. Do you, do you think that in the past and, you know, we've been through some recessions um, and there's there's always we seem to take a leap towards e-commerce when these things happen. Um, you know, after nine 11, we were all worried about going, going to shopping centers. We didn't know if it was there an, another terror terrorist attack. So e-commerce took a, a jump, uh, because people were kind of forced to now look, can I actually buy something online? Cause I don't really want to go out. And this is even a, a bigger jump like that. So you think COVID is a real driver of, pushing people to focus on e-commerce? I think it has because I think it's changed it. consumer shopping behaviors, I think more so than a lot of other um, times in history. You know, while I think the impact and effect of 9-11, you know, did wear off and you saw people come back very quickly, I think the long-term impact of COVID and the uncertainty as to what still happens with how we face that unique challenge into the fall, I think is still impacting consumer behavior. You, know, you start looking at you know, my own father who didn't shop online, wasn't doing you know, pickup in store. Um, you know, he's 71 years old. That wasn't something he was as driven to do, you know, has become much more focused on e-commerce and utilizing all of these unique circumstances and solutions that, you know, our brands and different marketers have been able to give to consumers. So I think that it's going to create a different impact on the channel, at least from my own vantage point and watching as I've watched so many different areas grow, um, others kind of shrink. It's been interesting to watch that consumer change. And with the fact that students aren't necessarily going back into school. Some are. And the fact that there isn't consistency, I think will continue mm. to have brands stay more focused on e-commerce. And even look at what happened with Black Friday. Walmart and Target won't be open. Yeah. That in and of itself <laughs> changes the landscape. And yeah. it's, you know, it's I think that in conjunction with everything else and as marketing dollars are shifting towards that, I think we're going to see this stay more the course because it's also a more effective channel and an effective use of dollars from an e-commerce standpoint. Now, do you think as the e-commerce, uh, you know, water rises, as that tide rises, that that raises all the channels and affiliate, or do you think that uh, will that make it more competitive for advertisers in the affiliate channel? Will that make affiliate channel more uh, important to their mix or, or less? Where, think, do you think it rises everything? 
I think it rises everything because you have to. You have to support all of your channels as a brand. But I think affiliate especially stands out because even though you need to continue to support all of your channels, you're seeing rising costs. And so many of those channels in order to participate and as more brands enter the space, you again, you know, budget dollars only go so far. Affiliates performance space, you know, unlike needing to pay per click on a keyword, you know, and trying to expand your reach, you can now work with anybody as a publisher, as that affiliate and pay on a conversion basis. There's something very attractive about that. And the fact that it's data driven, you know, how do you choose to invest? When do you choose to invest? How do you analyze your data more holistically? I think affiliate grew up and it's as it becomes more understood. And I think as people utilize their data in different ways, I think you're just going to continue to see it thrive. And I look and say that this channel will continue to grow especially as people become more educated, as you continue to keep doing what you're doing now with the podcast, you know, to keep teaching people that there is, you know, a lot more value and it, there's a lot more than it was in, you know, 2007, um, mm-hmm. you know, as it grows. Yeah. And there's a, definitely a lot more data. Like you can see exactly what is working and, and what we've been seeing is budgets have been shifting. And I saw this, in 2001, I saw this in 2008, uh, budgets shift to the performance channel when the need to only, you know, to truly only pay for what is going on becomes even more important. Uh, and, and like you said, if, if you're doing paid search, you're paying per click and, and then you're hoping you get that conversion on the end, you know, how important is it to you to know that that budget is being sent, spent on a conversion? Uh, and not on a click that doesn't result in a sale. So balancing those two things out and seeing budget shift to the mm-hmm. pay to play, you know, pay for a conversion uh, platform and, and knowing that you can find an affiliate, a good affiliate partner that engages in all the channels you would anyway. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, CFOs um, really be attracted to the affiliate channel because there's also the float. You know, so they, they get the sale, yeah. they get invoiced for that commission, and then they have to pay it. So there's a period of time they get to hang on to those dollars. And when you're talking at scale, that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something, Jamie, the fact that affiliate is, you know, I think there's a perception that it's just coupon deal loyalty. And we've seen that, you know, the majority of our new publishers this year coming out of content and social, but they're also retargeting, remarketing. They're mm-hmm. search publishers. So there's a way to be able to look at your budgets holistically through this channel, which isn't something that you can really do with other channels. So it creates, I think, unique opportunities for brands to capitalize on. Yeah. So let's talk about the different types of affiliates. Uh, why do you think coupon and loyalty have played such a prominent role for, you know, for so long? Uh, they initially started this channel and consumers have been deal driven forever. Everyone is looking for the greatest way to capitalize on it. And initially when the channel was founded, it was coming out of coupon deal loyalty. So I think a lot of that initial innovation um, came from some of those relationships. 
But as marketers became savvier and wanted different ways to engage with their consumers, it opened the door for other types of relationships to be able to come in. Um, and I think that it's not as though people are looking for variation. They want to be able to capitalize and utilize affiliate to, you know, identify new consumers, um, help bring new consumers to their brand, um, help better target and focus on, you know, mid funnel activities with unique, you know, marketing and placement opportunities. And then they utilize different types of relationships in some cases to help close it. So I think coupon and deal ended up as that initial base for the channel to build on. But we've seen a marked shift, especially during COVID, um, that within our own data set that we've been publishing, that, you know, in the past few weeks, you know, looking, I think, at data last week, Jamie, that um, with content, that content grew from year over year standpoint, it grew by 80%. You know, wow. that's, a huge marked change. And I think it shows that consumers and different marketers are looking at their data differently um, to kind of be able to action against it. And so I think as we've evolved and as people have seen the good that came out of the coupon, the deal, the loyalty, what they had to offer, but that there was more to the funnel than just, you know, let's close this. It was, how do we, how do we find new guys? How do we, how do we follow them all the way through? I think that's what opened the door. So when I think now you're seeing a marked shift, oh, not away from it, but adding additional type of, you know, publisher opportunities and variations to help grow what you're doing in the space. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to talk about content affiliates, but you mentioned something a number of times. And, and what I found is, uh, sometimes when, uh, you know, people like you and I, we've been in this space for so long, talk about certain things. We, we, uh, assume something is foundational that everyone knows that information and you said funnel. So talk to me about the, the consumer funnel. G give me a, and our listeners, a, a broad view of what that funnel is. So, so they can follow along if, if they, if they didn't catch that. No, absolutely. That's a great point. We use a lot of acronyms and a lot of names for things the same way repeatedly. Yep. <laughs> so when I'm talking about the funnel, I'm talking about that idea of a brand saying, how do I identify new consumers? So the top of that, if we're looking at a cone, you know, the top of that cone, where do I find new consumers to bring to my brand? Where do they live? Well, if we're looking at coupon and deal, I'm the type of person that I'm searching for something at the very end. So I'm intent on a brand or an item. So that's more at the bottom. We're going to close out. But at the top, there's that broadness. How do we reach more people? How do we get our message out and create more brand awareness? You tend to find your content providers, so bloggers, um, different mass media partners, whether it's people.com, Newsweek, um, different ads and opportunities that appeal to a much broader subset of consumers in order to better segment them into, you know, whether it's um, different types of advertiser verticals that you're looking to target, different household incomes, um, you know, what type of consumer do you as a brand want? We start with the big pool, the top of that funnel. And then the consumer is introduced to the brand in some capacity. You know, maybe I see an article, I'm excited about Jamie's brand and I start moving down. 
I'm getting interested. I click through to your website, but today is not the day that I want to buy. So then you get your mid funnel. So that's where, how can I talk to that consumer who's shown some type of intent? They're interested. They're not quite ready to buy. That's when you get your remarketers, people that are looking to reserve ads, those consumers who've been on your site. That's when you have an opportunity to work with different types of publishers slash affiliates for maybe increased placement opportunities to reach out to segmented audiences to help push them to what we would consider from the bottom of the funnel. So that's the consumer who's intent on purchasing and they're looking to be influenced in some capacity. And it doesn't have to be a coupon or a deal. I think we get into our heads that affiliate is just coupon and deal driven. It's not. It's about the consumer do. intent. Yeah. And I think we, we get that because I look at the bottom of the funnel could also be exclusivity, unique content, something unique that makes that brand stand out to me. Doesn't have to just be the discount or the sale, but that person who helps to close the deal. So the idea of the bottom of the funnel. So you've got consumers in all of these different life cycles. Are they new to your brand? Are they in the middle and learning about you guys and not quite at the point of closing? And then those consumers who are intent. And then that's the best part about affiliate, about publishers. They can live in all aspects of that funnel. So just because you're one type of affiliate doesn't mean that you only live in one section. You, you know, there are a number of opportunities for people to play in different areas. And even though I think there can be, you know, where some people tend to be prone to introduce and others are prone to close, they can actually be in every part of that consumer journey. And I think that's the best part. Consumers don't just shop in these linear, you know, processes. Mm -hmm. They're influenced by a majority of different mechanisms to help drive to the sale. And as marketers have become savvier, we can actually see it now. Versus in, you know, 2007, when you would be tasked with just top line revenue and wouldn't necessarily be able to see that. So that's a great explanation. Thank you so much. Um, and not only can we see it, but we can reward based on that, uh, uh, that their contribution, you know, to the order. And one thing I did, well, not me, but we did as a company way back when I was at Coldwater Creek, before I had an agency, uh, we called it, I believe it was Lumberjack, where we took an order and we chopped it up, mm -hmm. like the Lumberjack chops a log, into the different <laughs> channels, you know, the different channels that were impact, that impacted the sale. And internally, mm -hmm. anyway, well, you know, we associated a certain amount of revenue and cost uh, to each channel based on, you know, what our gut, what we felt it contributed to it. And so, you know, that was not many people were doing that back in 2000, uh, 2001, but that was sort of a precursor to what we can do now is now you can see how these affiliates interact together in mm -hmm. the, that funnel, but also how they interact within your broader, you know, customer path to purchase funnel, uh, something that, you know, maybe they haven't, you know, uh, advertisers haven't really dove into yet. No, exactly. And I think that's been one of the key drivers as the channel matured. There's now this understanding that you can really see 
into that path. You can better understand your consumer journey and see ultimately how are they being influenced in order to create those different reward mechanisms. You know, it's it's about giving you and the advertisers the flexibility to find the right relationship, pay them at the right time for the right action based on ultimately what a brand is looking to accomplish. Yeah. And that's, I think that's probably the savior of the channel in some <laughs> regards. And especially like we're talking coupon and loyalty sites, those affiliates, if you couldn't see all of that, eventually, you know, there's been a mistrust with those partners, especially coupon sites um, of that. But now being able to see the data and actually seeing how they they interact with the consumer and what their value is in that channel. You get to reward at the end of the day, you're just looking for a certain type of end conversion. And how do you get there the most cost eff- effectively and the most efficiently for the consumer? Yep, exactly. And I think with all of the data we have, all of the different technologies, you know, what, you know, Pepper Jam can do to help control that. I think that's, I agree. I think it's created a new vantage point as marketers look and evaluate things differently. And I think that's been fantastic as well. You know, and and for many years, I can't remember how long, but it seems like for forever, um, advertisers wanted niche uh, sites, bloggers, vloggers, yep. content affiliates. And, and, you know, for a long period of time, you know, we, we said, yes, we can go get them. And occasional we'll have, occasionally we'll have some that close deals, uh, you know, close conversions for you, but you have to be prepared that, you know, they are not closers. So without technology to be able to show that it was really hard to, uh, to show value in that. But now going into 2020, we've got a ton of new technology. Uh, there's a better understanding. What do you think, what do you see the role of carton, con- uh, content <laughs> partners going forward? Content is integral to the channel going forward. Um, I, It's an entire perception and a, and a change, I think, within the industry. Um, there's still value in the other types of relationships. But as you see more brands enter the space, as people are looking to more effectively spend their dollars, they're looking to bring in new consumers. They're looking to have consumers buy more. Um, And what better way to be able to identify with that base than working with content providers. And content providers, I think, have also done a great job at better optimizing and working with brands than they have in years past. Um, We as a technology platform have been able to better reward them with different mechanisms to help control that idea of the consumer at the last minute gravitating away from content Mm -hmm. that ends up rewarding on last click. Um, And you're finding more content in the space. We're seeing a true focus on helping to build more brand awareness, draw more attention to the brand versus the idea that I think initially people use the promotion to drive to the brand. Now it's how do I build awareness around the brand and find unique ways to position myself to that consumer base. And then we got to reward them, Jamie. We didn't have a mechanism years ago to pull the trigger to say you weren't a last click affiliate, which is for those listeners who may not know, affiliate 
traditionally tends to be last click driven in the channel. So how do we gravitate away from that? It wasn't something we could do a few years ago. And I think in the advent of COVID and as consumers are more engaged, they're looking to find new sources to be introduced to things than they have in years before. You're seeing more content and we've seen a huge shift. You know, I mentioned that we've seen growth in 79% year over year for the week ending, I think the 15th. Um, we've also seen that in that data set, we saw 60% of the consumers that came from content, Jamie, were also new. So mm. there are more consumers out there. The holy grail for- of acquisition. Yeah, it's all about that new to file consumer. How do you find mm. them? How do you capitalize on them? And when we look at the different areas they're coming from, coupon and loyalty are still driving significant amounts of new to file, but content yeah is absolutely king. And now that we're able to better reward, we're able to better optimize with those relationships. And there are so many more to be able to work with that it's creating this influx. And I think we've also seen some of the traditional partners in the space or traditional content uh, syndicators also look to better optimize and work with brands. So for instance, the Skimlink you know, and how they're working with relationships and knowing where and what their brands want to be able to do to grow has also helped. So I think you're seeing a focus on it, a way to reward it. And then ultimately on the flip side, those partners who are looking to, you know, intensify it by finding better ways to focus on content versus just the idea of the promotion. Yeah. And I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask a question and answer it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we, you think how can, how can advertisers uh, uh, take advantage of these content sites? And I would say have a commission structure that rewards them for what they contribute. Uh, so for many years, you know, the content sites were sending users uh, and uh, they were being closed by someone else and they, they weren't getting compensated for what they did as introducing uh, and, and influencing. And so if you can, if you're an advertiser listening and this is what you want to attract then make sure you have uh, the things in place that can reward them for what they are providing. Um, and then, then you're really measuring to their true value. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're absolutely on point. You know, we've been able to, in the past few years, give advertisers more technologies to reward. Um, I think one of my favorite, and it's, it's my favorite because I think it opens up anybody to be an affiliate, is, you know, being able to track without an affiliate click um, mm. with some of the code-based mechanisms, so exclusive code. Um, and other technologies that we built in, you're right, to better reward someone who isn't last click. And with that, you're able to, you know, action against it. They get to see actually what they've been driving on your behalf. And then it continues that cycle. I think what we saw a few years ago is when you couldn't do that, you saw a lot of paid placements, a lot of pay to play. Yep. Um, and you saw a lot of relationships, quite frankly, leave affiliate. Um, there were publishers years and years ago where they went, they moved and went CPC because affiliate didn't yield the results based on a last click model. And had it been today, those publishers are able to be rewarded. They can be rewarded 
you know, for being, let's say, a first affiliate touchpoint, we can reward on that. That wasn't something we could have done a few years ago. And as a result, you're seeing it. And the best part is, Jamie, you get to see the data that comes with it. You know, so you can see where were they in that click life cycle? Um, who else was involved in that affiliate click life cycle? So that you not only get to better understand how you're spending your dollars, but understand the consumer intent so that you can craft your strategy around that. That's great. Consumer intent. That's what you're trying to figure out, right? And and to pay for it. But tell me about what are your views on uh, influence, influencer and marketing and affiliates? A lot of people view those as two different channels. I've always, I don't care what you're doing. If I can, if I can, if you're hitting my audience and I can negotiate a, an arrangement with you, uh, then I'm good. But what are, what are your views on that? I look and have it. I will tell you this, Jamie, I've got a lot of experience uh, in this area right now because it's very popular. Um, I'm seeing more and more, at least with brands I'm talking to, where it's finally intersecting. If you can pay someone on a performance basis and you're looking to be able to track them, that's affiliate. You know, affiliate, while it is a channel, is also a payment mechanism. Um, and I think for a long time, we tried to keep the influencers separate. That was the idea of the PR agency, where they did the connections with the big guys for product placements and, um, you know, we're going to give them free product. That is a, that's why we do an affiliate. Um, yeah. And I look at them and they are the same. And actually, a lot of brands that I personally have spoken to have brought their PR teams into the affiliate mix. They're educating them on how to use the technologies, how they can find additional influencers to be able to work with because an influencer is an affiliate. It's someone who's promoting a brand online and looking to be compensated for that action. And I think that they have intersected as content and social have become so much more prevalent and it's been easier to track and reward. I don't know that we would have the same intersection point in these two areas if we couldn't track the data and if we couldn't reward. But now the truth is, is that a PR company is working with an influencer and maybe that influencer is people, people's an affiliate. You know, is that influencer an Instagram model? They can also be an affiliate and can earn in a number of different mechanisms, you know, whether they're using reward sales like to know it or they're utilizing an exclusive code to track back. Um, these worlds have come together. I think the biggest difference between what we would consider a traditional affiliate and an influencer is understanding as to how the channel works. I mm -hmm. think that's really the biggest differentiator between the two of them is not how they work or how we can work with them, but the fact that an influencer may not be as close to understanding how the channel is and that it's in their benefit to work within it. When I, I think, too, it's because the level of transparency that comes from this channel, and like you said, what they're doing is affiliate marketing. And mm -hmm. there's so much more transparency in, in affiliate networks that allows, you know, people have been, there's been a, a, a backlash against influencers in the last year uh, as they, they uh, have requested outrageous uh, upfront costs 
with, uh, you know, no one's really sure how big their audiences are. Um, and this provides, uh, I think, protection for the advertiser going through the affiliate channel, but it also provides much more opportunity for the influencer to quickly create, you know, partnerships and go yeah. out there and, and, and earn a living and augment their revenue. No, absolutely. Cause that's the one thing that's lacking is that transparency. Cause so many influencers are working with a brand that is, it's completely separate and everything is manual. So there's no understanding of the data. There's no understanding of the impact and there's no way to really be able to look into the overarching channel to see ultimately how is it performing an affiliate. And for instance, our data lets you see that so you can better understand, is this coming from the influencer? Is it being influenced in a different way in the consumer behavior? And you can see that without being in an affiliate platform or working with someone like that, you're never going to get that. And then it limits the opportunity. And also an affiliate network gets them the reward because you're right, Jamie. The one thing we've seen is that it's hard to justify a flat media dollar when you really don't understand the impact and there are no metrics to be able to work against. True, true. So a lot of the guests I've talked with, we, we talked about our current economic and health climate. Um, you know, what are you seeing advertisers do that is both helpful and, and really, you know, that's successful? Those brands that have been most successful have been those that have really looked the challenge in the face and chosen to continue to invest. Um, they've expanded and continue to recruit or identify new affiliates to be able to bring into the fold. They've continued to invest their marketing dollars in the channel, and they've continued to make sure as a brand that they're staying first and foremost in front of their consumers. I think that the unique circumstances created challenges for some brands initially, and some brands chose to actually pull back from a marketing effort um, and pull back in affiliate, especially. And in many of those cases, it became detrimental to what the mm -hmm. brand was looking to do. It, as a performance-based channel, to pull back on something um, now limits your exposure. And because we're a relationship-based, it put you know some barriers around those relationships to be able to reactivate them later. So I think the brands that really stood out and were able to you know, propel themselves forward were the ones that continued to take the opportunity, continue to invest, and in some cases where applicable, continue to invest more so that they were able to help offset some of those overarching revenue gaps they may have been seeing before, let's say, retail and e-commerce. So that's where I've seen brands have the most success was actually keeping their foot on the pedal, continuing to invest, uh, and continuing to build those partnerships with different affiliates. Great, great. And what do you think affiliate marketers should be focused as we roll into Q3? What should they be focused on right now? So right now, it's about continuing to engage with your consumers, at least from what I'm seeing, and ultimately prep for Q4. Um, Q4 is what, about 45 days or so away, maybe 50? Oh, don't say that. 
<laughs> I know, I know. I don't even want to say it, but listen, your listeners know it's right around the corner. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so I think right now, continuing to, in advance of peak, I always recommend for people to test in the channel. Now's the time to see what's going to work for you and what's not, um, as well as to identify new publishers. Recruiting is huge. Um, you need to have more relationships to continue to expand your footprint and ultimately help to focus on what your goals are, whether it's revenue, whether it's AOV, increased exposure. At the end of the day, the affiliates are what are going to drive that forward. So utilizing recruiting tools, you know, we obviously have a robust discovery engine to help find them. But utilizing that, going out, finding relationships, testing with those partners, looking to kind of identify what's going to work and not work for you. And then my suggestion, Jamie, has been starting to plan and look at your logistics in advance of Q4. You know, I think that one of the biggest things that as marketers that we face in addition to an uncertain future as e-commerce is shifting and changing. And I, I personally think based on the fact that you know, NRF said last year, 40% of consumers stopped before Halloween. I would think you'll probably see more, um, especially as things change, that I've kind of asked and started probing questions around logistics and shipping and inventory. Um, so in addition to all of the things from the affiliate channel that we do, which is to prepare yourself, you know, to make sure that you're ready to be able to move into this, is also to look at your business as a whole. You know, how are you guys set from some of these logistical items that that's that idea of what can we control versus what can't we control? In many cases, our marketers can't control that side of their business. Um, but to understand that so then they can more effectively plan, I think is going to be key this year, probably more so than in the years past. Yeah, definitely. Now, now, do you think the pandemic changes uh, the outlook for the channel long term and short term? I think it makes the, our outlook stronger. Um, I, you know, while there have been challenges that brands have faced, you know, for instance, travel, um, mm -hmm. as well as entertainment and people working within those, those different type of areas still face some uphill battles. Um, but as consumers are still at home and they're still looking, you know, to live their lives, um, I would expect that the channel continues to grow um, throughout this. So when I look to peak to say, I'm excited about the trends we're going to see um, because I would anticipate, and this is the personal you know, thought process, we're just going to continue to see that growth um, as we move into like, the latter half of the year. Well, Aaron, I have, as I said earlier, I'm not surprised I have, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We are over time for today, <laughs> but I have several pages of notes of stuff I, I wrote down. Um, you know, I really love the focus on what I can do best. What else can I do? How else can I help this business? How do I support those around me? And it's really good 
advice to to think about uh, in, in all instances. And then really appreciate you diving into some really specific questions. We didn't even get to all the questions that I had for you. So I'm hoping you're okay with like a round two in a month or so. And we can get to, I really want to dive in with you on the next, uh, uh, if you're okay with uh, doing it again, on all the perceived problems that advertisers have with this channel and just have a discussion on, on, you know, are those accurate? Were they accurate at one point and now they're not? And how are they not accurate? And, and sort of discuss each of those issues together. I would love to do that if you're up for it. I would love that. That would be amazing. And I'm sorry. I know I really love catching up with you. So, so sorry I pushed this over time. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, not at all. Uh, you know, this is uh, perfect. I know it's around dinner time where you are. Uh, and uh, so I will let you go. But thank you again so much. I think there's so much stuff here for uh, affiliates, advertisers, and, and others uh, to learn from. Um, and, and I think this was just a great conversation. So thank you for your time and, and for our listeners, we will set up another time. So Aaron and I can dig into some of these other issues as well, but thank you so much, Aaron. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jamie. It was a pleasure. I am looking forward to round two. So, um, and I hope that everybody else will, but I'm excited to dive in more. If someone wants to get some of this expertise, uh, and wisdom from you directly. It, should they follow you on LinkedIn? Uh, should they contact you through Pepper Jam? Is there is there any sort of information you'd like to hand out to our listeners? Absolutely. You guys can find me on LinkedIn. Please feel free to message me. Um, I am trying to be much better um, at checking that on a regular basis. But you guys also have the ability to contact me at Pepper Jam Direct. So for those of you guys who may know Jamie or Jamie, if we want to put up my email, I am fine with sharing that information. Um, I love having conversations with marketers. So looking forward to having them. Awesome. Well, we'll include a link to your LinkedIn profile and your contact info that you're okay with uh, in the uh, podcast description. So if you want to get more of this amazing wisdom from uh, Erin herself, uh, you'll be able to do that. But again, Erin, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Absolutely. Thanks, Jamie. It's been great. Man, I always enjoy having a conversation with Erin, and they're all a lot like that. Uh, she is fantastic and incredibly smart and gifted at what she does. You know, one of the things I pulled out of there that I really wanted to highlight is how much change Erin had been through at one organization. I really, and I, you know, you heard me ask, like, how did that happen? How did you get through that? So I want to point out, like, her plan was focus on what I can do best. What else can I be doing? How else can I help this business? How can I support those around me? And then keep an inquisitive nature and always ask questions. Because one of the things she said, the quote that I really love, with every change comes opportunity. I just felt that was like important for us all to know right now, whether you are in affiliate marketing or not, keep an inquisitive nature, keep asking questions. What do you do that you can do best? We all have a lot going on right now. And a lot of it is things we can't really control. But in that environment, Erin just focused on what she knew she could do best, kept an inquisitive nature, asked what else I can do, how else can I help this business, and how can I support those around me? So it was just a really great philosophy that I so appreciate. I needed to hear that today. I hope you got a lot out of it. And we really, the dive into this other things, it, 
about affiliate marketing. We're definitely going to be having another episode uh, where Aaron and I are going to be talking about perceived problems with the affiliate channel. We're just going to dive into each one of those uh, and talk about, you know, are they accurate? Were they accurate? Are they accurate right now? And, and what's the story about each of those? So I hope you guys listen. Now, don't forget, we have a strategy roadmap product that we can help you in one week uh, develop the strategy that you need to hit your goals going forward. You can go to jebco.de slash strategy to find that out. And if you need help for anything at all, you can email me at gethelp at jebcommerce.com and we'll just set up a, a couple minutes, 15 minutes, half hour. You can tell me what problem you're having with your uh, your digital uh, marketing, your affiliate marketing, uh, and I'll give you my advice. No cost to you, gethelp at jebcommerce.com. And hey, if you liked this episode, please share it on social media, send it to a friend. Uh, and you can also go to Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and others and give us a, a review. I really appreciate that. But I hope you guys are doing well out there. I hope these are useful. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, again, email me at gethelp at jebcommerce.com.